0: Can you hear me?
1: Yeah. Can you hear me?
0: I can hear you.
1: Terrific.
0: Excellent. Everybody, welcome to Storage Room Movie Boom. I'm Eden. I'm Sam, and this is a podcast where two siblings talk about movies in their parents' basement.
1: Yes, yes, it is.
0: It's a um a place where we don't live. To clarify,
1: that is correct.
0: I feel that that's necessary every episode, just to really hammer it home. We're not two grown adults that live in our parents' basement.
1: Right, we are two self-sustaining adults that just happen to meet at their parents' house once a week.
0: Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about why we started this podcast, and I think it could be very short and sweet. Is um, job dissatisfaction? Yes.
1: Yes, and absolutely. Just, you know, when you hit your mid-30s or, you know, late 30s, you hit sort of a malaise and where you're going professionally and you need a creative outlet. And I think so, too. And that's very much what this is.
0: And it also, it made a lot of sense to me being a big podcast fan and also liking a lot of movie podcasts that whenever you and I talk, it's normally the things that we get excited about and that talk the most about are movies and TV shows. hmm Yeah. So uh, that's where we are. And that's why we're here, everybody. But if we just want to get into this and so we can start talking about this fucking movie, this week's movie, if you want to call it that, (laughs) The Happy Time Murders. This movie was released in 2018, August 24th. It's an hour and a half. Thank God only that long. Directed by Brian Henson, written by Todd Berger. Got some things to say about all of this. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read you the IMDb synopsis. Because it makes it sound cooler than it is, which is when the puppet cast of a 90s children's TV show begin to get murdered one by one, a disgraced LAPD detective turned private eye puppet takes on the case. All right. Got it. Um,
1: That also makes it sound like there's more story than there is. Sure
0: does. Okay. The reviews. (laughs) Across the board. Shit. (laughs) So not that I I think you and I will probably have plenty of conversations about Rotten Tomatoes and how it is bad and garbage and not really a true <laughs> indicator of anything other than like people that go on the internet. Right. Even true. though there are critic, re- you know, responses on there, but just an example, I put the rotten tomato score on here, which was a proof of rating of 24%.
1: Look forward to our mini soda on why rotten tomatoes is bad. <laughs> and the, t- <laughs> so they have a, only for our Patreon subscribers, you, do which you, don't exist.
0: Do you know, do you know what their, their meter is called the tomato meter? Yes. I, every time I look at it, I'm like, the tomenometer Because <laughs> nobody goes to change the temperature on the thermometer. <laughs> the Tomeinometer. Um Love it. Yeah. So after my little thing under here, I wrote reviews and I uh, wrote down the Rotten Tomatoes score based on an average reading of 3.86 out of 10. And then I wrote overall, oof.
1: I did see that. That was a nice touch. Yeah. Thank
0: you. Uh briefly the cast and we'll get into this. Melissa McCarthy as their main detective, Connie Edwards. Bill Beretta plays Phil Phillips. Um, he's also known as Peppy the Prong King. Great. Boba the Bear. Great. Mm-hmm. And then also taken over a couple of the roles that Jim Henson did. Ralph the Dog, The Sweetest Chef, Doctor's Teeth, just as a couple. That is uh, Maya Rudolph is Bubbles. Most of my notes revolve around her. Uh, Eliza- uh, I took
1: minimal notes on her. Really? But, well, I'll fill uh, in we'll, all the blanks. We'll, we'll get into it.
0: <laughs> Elizabeth Banks as Jenny Peterson, and Kevin Clash actually played Lyle. So, Kevin Clash is known for being the creator and puppeteer of Elmo. He also had a lot uh. of public backlash several years ago. He made his way past that somehow.
1: I recall that too. You know, one thing I noticed that neither one of us logged was the name of the main female antagonist. <laughs>
0: Oh my God. Well, it was like <laughs> Sasha White.
1: It was some- we are experts and we take lots was, of good notes.
0: It was definitely White because. There was an
1: artificial name and a real name.
0: And because it was. And I didn't um, record
1: either of them because. I mean, we have the internet. My brain quit working.
0: I mean, as soon as that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Um,
0: so I have a couple of miscellaneous notes here. We can talk about those now or we can jump into them later. But basically, uh, this is one of many bad puppet, bad in quotes, uh, you know, representations. But there are lots of other bad puppets that did it Mobetta.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of bad puppets and kind of adult-oriented puppets, I did notice the, uh, obviously, before we get into the movie itself, um, they published the movie under Henson Alternative which is almost an adult-themed subsidiary of Jim Henson Productions. That was one, one of the things at the
0: very, very top. All of the title slates for mm-hmm. the production studios didn't recognize a single damn one.
1: Yeah, so I looked into Henson Alternative. Yeah. Uh found a few things that they had done uh, or still are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the most recent ones, the Curious Creations of Christine McConnell a okay. Netflix cooking show with a Gothic twist and Halloween <gasps> oh, puppets. Oh
0: no, no, no! That's supposed to be awesome. Actually, I watched
1: the first episode of it. It is definitely a cooking show with puppets in it.
0: <laughs> so it's very creepy, like macabre, right?
1: Uh, it, yes and no. Like it's definitely visually like that because kind of there's a like chick a, it's like an, it's a run an undead raccoon, a werewolf, life mm-hmm. size, you know, yeah. like to scale, and then the other one is a mummified cat uh, that is, uh well, just a, a small cat puppet. It's not a Muppet. It's, it's a, a small cat. It's a small cat puppet. Did you like it? Um, I've never actually seen an episode. I mean, episode. it was a, a cooking show. So she would say, here's you know, right. an item that's usually Halloween or gothic themed. Yeah. Um, you know. It's
0: a lot of baked goods, right? Like yeah, cakes exactly. and shit. exactly. Yeah. There mm-hmm. was like
1: a cake. There was a, um, like these peanut butter chocolate Bones mm-hmm. that she made, and sure. that's what was the other one? Doesn't really matter for yep. the purpose of this. So that was one. Got it. Uh, the next one I found that was of note was Puppet Up Uncensored, which is a live improv road show that they do. Oh yeah, puppet up. Um, yep, puppet up uncensored. So, um, and actually, funnily enough, several of the puppets used in that were actually in this movie, like the models. Got it. The um, unfortunate father. That we will get into yeah. is one of, the, <laughs> one of the models that's in Puppet Up, got it? as is the singing and dancing old man. Uh, I noticed him Ooh. in both productions also. There's
0: so many things we got to get into.
1: And uh, the third, the kind of notable from Henson Alternative was called No, You Shut Up. It's a <laughs> talk show involving a human host and a panel of both human and puppet characters that talk about people they think should shut up both real and fictional. This sounds amazing. The, the clip I saw, one puppet was telling Jaden Smith to shut up. And the other one was telling like his puppet brother, to shut up. This sounds amazing. <laughs> I don't know where you find it or even if it's still being produced, but
0: I'm so mad that that's already the name of something because I would love for this podcast to be called. No, you shut up. <laughs> yeah, no, no,
1: that was, that was what I found. And there are others as well. Um, gosh, there was another about a pair of uh, Simeon detectives, there were there were shorts like 5 minutes apiece on youtube i watched several of those yeah. they were uh honestly the way that those puppets were produced and the especially the faces of the the i guess they were orangutans okay. um reminded me a lot of dinosaurs you know the mm-hmm. smaller kind of not the main dinosaurs but the um as in the show dinosaurs, the show dinosaurs. not an actual mm-hmm. dinosaur. No, <laughs> my Got son it? is obsessed with dinosaurs <laughs> right now. But no, the, the show dinosaurs where they oh, have the yeah. smaller mammals. And they kind of had those oh, spaces. Sure, sure, sure. mm-hmm. That's yeah. what they reminded me of. Um, that
0: just made its way to some streaming network. Disney Plus. Ne- because uh, it owns uh, sponsored everything. Sponsored
1: by Disney Plus. <laughs> God, I wish. <laughs> I'm
0: sure we would. It owns eat.
1: dinosaurs. It owns the Muppets. It owns. You and me. N- everybody else. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to put a Disney trademark on the uh, mm-hmm. end of this uh, copyright.
0: <laughs> yeah. One of the other things that I noted, and I remember when this came out, hearing this, that the, I guess the production company that is specific to Sesame Street that is like, that runs that show specifically under the Henson Umbrella sued.
1: Yeah, it's the Sesame Street Workshop, I believe. Yes, at and the they time sued. Now.
0: I don't know if it's that Henson alternative that you were talking about because of the tagline for this movie, which is no Sesame all street because they right. didn't, didn't want to be associated with... Now, was R- that
1: before after the HBO buyout? I don't remember because now HBO owns Sesame Street. Yeah, exactly. Like I wonder... Out.
0: Well, it's 2018. We can look it up.
1: Great research, guys. We are on top of this. On uh, top of it.
0: Yeah, so I noted that because I remember hearing that in the news when it came out and actually, an Alternative or whoever it was that got sued or the producers of this movie um, won against that. And But their response was really funny. It's parody. It's not... Well, basically, they said... Uh, We love our Sesame Street family. This is paraphrasing. We love our Sesame Street family. Um, And that's why we are happy to be under, like, basically the Henson umbrella. But by using this tagline, no Sesame, all Street, we're dividing between ourselves and Sesame Street, but still associated with all of the whatever. There
1: are a number of things in this movie that do that, whether it is intentionally as a form of meta commentary or just. Kind of eh, it'd be funny. Except, oh my God, except it, so so it's so much to get it's into. It's not funny.
0: <laughs> um, so as a I this is my last general note before we get into some shit, which is that this was the first theatrical film Brian Henson directed since Muppet Treasure Island, which just celebrated its twenty fifth anniversary.
1: They actually did a Twitter live event that I did not participate in right. because I have three children.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Muppet Treasure Island wasn't my favorite. Agreed. I don't even know I, I, that I've seen it more
1: than once. I was going to say, I saw it in theaters when it came out. I do not know that I've watched it since.
0: I know. Um, I think, well, it came out in 96. So we were a little no, bit no, older. No, wait,
1: wait. I did watch at least part of it. Um, that wasn't... Within the last couple of years. Oh, okay. I forget why I stopped, but there it is.
0: Well, I think it, uh, some of those that came out in the 90s versus the 80s were not my
1: favorite. Well, they were still trying to find themselves creatively after Henson died. And then in the 2000s, I don't even know what happened there. They just kind of uh, they right. had a hard time of it.
0: Well, do you have any other general notes before we get into the movie
1: specifically? No, 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 I don't. All I'm right. trying to stall for time, and it is not working. Oh, out. you don't have to. We have to stall at all because I got I got a lot to
0: talk about, and I underlined and hearted a bunch of things in here. No, believe no, because me, the, the movie's
1: bad. And the I don't only, want to talk
0: about it. thank God I was I was pretty pissed actually when I watched it. I was like, well, I mean, we knew we knew it was a chance based off of oh, the I knew it was a good chance reception. that I wasn't going to care for it. exactly.
1: Um, I am a, just just for. Yeah. Full disclosure, Yeah, I watched it on Netflix and I'm glad I did not have to pay extra mm-hmm. for
0: it. 100% because I initially <laughs> looked it up before just asking the fire stick to find it for me and it said it was on Vudu and it was like $3. I don't know that it should be worth $3 to rent it and thank Agreed. God I saved those $3 <laughs> by two hours of parking or something like that. Um, So, uh, very top of my list, after the title cards reference, I wrote... Um, boy, this is a super awkward um, metaphor for racism and I don't care for it and it made me feel very uncomfortable. It's
1: also very confused. It, this this movie wishes it was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, 100%. And it's obviously nowhere near as well written or creative or uh, consistent as Roger Rabbit because you've obviously got puppets equaling the oppressed minority. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. yet unlike, it seems like Everybody except for one person hates the living hell out of puppets. Every single one. It's, uh, you know, apparently human bigotry has all been appointed to the existence of felt stuffed humanoids. Right.
0: And (laughs) so, I mean, after watching the whole thing, the same premise of every film noir written back in the day where they were like, let's sketch an outline. We've got a hardened former detective that gets pulled into one more job and it's personal. And then that's it. And so that's all this is. And if you went down and wrote down the outline points and the plot points, which there weren't many, it looks exactly the same as 8000 other movies. Exactly. And that I, is absolutely like, I get in concept that they were like, let's try and make a puppet version of something that's darker, seedier. I understand that. And like in that, I'm like, I could kind of get behind that. But it wasn't shot to be darker and seedier. All it was was terrifying with all of the puppet violence. And honestly, I mean, the puppet sex was obviously disturbing. But for me, just like in the porn shop, when those puppets get like exploded by a shotgun, I was like, ah! see, I think
1: and this is a plot point get, that gets expanded into later. But I think there should have been instead of just straight white fluff, I think there should have been some attempt at making like felt organs, oh, like having because a they mentioned felt- it. A felt brain or, you know, red fluff to be, to get like, you know, cause I'm trying, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. So Phil Phillips goes to this porn shop at the beginning of the movie following a clue that he saw in this ransom note. He goes in the back while he's in the back researching, person I'm in the front, enters the store, shotguns, half a dozen puppets. Yeah. And when he comes back out from the back, there is fluff everywhere to emulate. Blood, blood and guts and like bones. blood. Like a bloodbath. Yeah. But it's just fluff. And I, it just, I understand what they're going for. The The problem with this movie is that there's one joke. And the joke is that puppets are doing things that you do not normally see puppets doing. That, And that's it. That is the joke. And it's ground into the ground within 10 minutes of this movie. And it just
0: continues through the whole fucking thing. Mm -hmm. And I will say this, speaking of saying the whole fucking thing, you know, fuck is my favorite word. (laughs) This movie used the word fuck too much, too much. I I I feel like it tuned it out. Honestly, (laughs) I felt like there are Tarantino movies that are more tasteful than this movie. It, It would just, and it got to the point where it wasn't even just like, Hearing Phil Phillips, who actually, as a character, I kind of liked.
1: He actually had an arc. Nobody else had an arc.
0: Exactly. And I kind of liked the way the puppet was made. He looked haggard. It was like even the felt on his face was a little bit beaded up. I liked all that. And actually, that part was the only endearing part of this whole thing beside... Maya Rudolph, who I loved,
1: but (laughs) even
0: Melissa McCarthy, she was just saying "fuck" every other word, and I was like, "Okay,
1: we get it." Yeah, she. uh, It's not. It's not her her. performance. It was the writing. The writing was garbage. Either really racist, really angry, or really high.
0: So, (laughs) so the writer of this is this guy Todd Berger, and I looked him up. He doesn't have a lot of credits, and um. The one thing that I did note was that it said in, I can't remember if it was IMDb or Wikipedia, that said that he wrote the first draft of this. Now, and that would be. That's probably what they went with. Well, I was going to say either that's giving him a little bit of credit and he was like, I don't know, go with something like this and gives them a first draft. Or he wrote this as the first draft thinking. It would be revised. There would be notes. But instead, they went on set and a bunch of nerdy fucking puppeteers were like, I don't know. What if this cow was just coming everywhere? Like, you're just like, oh, my God. (laughs) So it just. Yeah, it was it seemed like a lot of gross improv by nerdy people. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I I probably would have found this movie hilarious when I was 12. Uh, Maybe 12 year olds liked it. Maybe,
0: maybe. Well, you know what? Honestly, (laughs) it's rated
1: R, so that's outside the target audience. But that's why it's
0: exciting to them. They get to hear (laughs) curse words a lot. They get to see weird simulated sex, like the silly string ejaculate. I was like, okay, we get it. That was
1: more clever. Like, I get it. That was clever, but it wasn't funny. No, agreed. Agreed. And that's going back to what I was talking about earlier in terms of a different substance or consistency for internal organs. Because you've got silly string being that. Okay, that's a good idea. Expound upon that for brains. And whatever else. Well, and
0: especially tying back, spoiler alert, shouldn't be because you shouldn't be watching this movie, anybody but us. We did it for you. You're welcome. <laughs> Melissa McCarthy <laughs> has a puppet liver, right? right? Yes. Or a puppet spleen. No, it's a liver. Puppet liver. And I'm like, okay, it's a puppet organ. Yeah. You're right. So then let's see a little bit more explicit gore in these puppets. If you really want to make them feel real versus just yeah. giving them human vices.
1: Right. And, and there's a flashback of all our, as Ian mentioned earlier, we've got a, you know, grizzled former detective. Something goes wrong while he is a detective. He gets booted off the force. This incident is shown in a dream sequence and flashback. Essentially his partner gets shot because he screwed something up. Who his partner being Melissa McCartney at the mm-hmm. McCarthy at mm-hmm. the time. So he takes her to a puppet hospital
0: I love that. <laughs> I actually really like that it goes to a puppet hospital because I was like, I understand that it's completely abhorrent when you think about it from the term of this like overt racism, speciesism, whatever it is, right. the otherism. But just the idea of a puppet hospital just reminds me of like a teddy bear hospital or something.
1: Right. <laughs> I also feel like as part of that, we should have seen a fo- like a surgery scene. Yeah, we like should have where seen where you more of the hospital. The puppet liver being removed from... Well, gosh, they never say where the puppet liver came from.
0: They didn't say where it came from. All they did was they talked to that general doctor that was like, all we do, we only operate on, or we only serve puppets in exactly.
1: here. Exactly. Like, was left- it Phil's puppet liver that they cut a piece off of and put into her? But they never They never say that. They, never they just say that, that she gets... A puppet liver. Yeah. Which is why she gets high on sugar.
0: But you're, oh my God, that's a whole other thing (laughs) to get into. Oh my God. I'm going to get a headache from my eyes so much. We're crossing the streams. We're crossing the streams. (laughs) But you're right. It would have been kind of funny in more of a sticky, muppety way to see a weird faux quick cut of a surgery scene where you see like, instead of blood from a tube into a thing, you just see stuffing like kind of like being (laughs) tubed into another thing or...
1: and then, like moving this weird felt liver into her body, like, right? There, there's visual comedy to be had there, and that it, would have been, yeah,
0: a felt liver, yeah, a it felt liver. <laughs> it would have been great.
1: And again, like when you see what the insides of the puppets are made of, which is just cotton, it makes yeah. no sense why she has a liver, quote unquote.
0: That was so. That little flashback had potential to be interesting, and like I said, I only got a little bit of a chuckle out of, like, huh, a puppet hospital. Um, that was one
1: of the only... That's more than I got from the entire movie.
0: I was going to say... So, here, maybe we can get into all of the shit that we don't like because there's fucking plenty. But I thought Maya Rudolph was
1: so cute. She, she was, was cute. trying so hard. She
0: was really trying. She was she working was, so hard. <laughs> she
1: was doing the best out of anybody here. Well, okay, no offense to Bill Beretta. He did a very good she job. He did a great job. But, in, yeah, she, she was trying her best. And, I think she... You know,
0: she was the number one human. Melissa McCarthy, I did think, did a great job.
1: With what they gave her, she, she did She was well. looking that
0: puppet right in the eyes. Like, mm. she meant it. Yeah. But also, I also saw that her and Ben Falcone, her husband, produced it. And I was like, oh, no. Goodness. So they okayed this at the end of it. I don't know well, what happened.
1: I know this had been on Brian Henson's... Uh, bucket list for a while, though, in terms of this concept. Right. If I recall correctly. So like I said, I kind of
0: like the idea. I mean, looking back, like we were mentioning that there are other bad puppet, dirty puppet shows and movies that did it better. Avenue Q, Crank Anchors, I think is a great, even though that's in a shorter... Right.
1: A more compressed format. Mm -hmm. But yeah. But
0: like Team America, I mean, there's Triumph, everything Triumph's ever done. There's a lot more puppets that say dirty words that are better than this. The
1: thing is, this plays the story way too straight. Correct. It has farcical elements, but it takes itself too seriously. Like they're expecting the joke, the one joke that everything here is being done by puppets to carry everything. 100%. So you either need to go more farcical, like a. gosh, you just mentioned it. Team, <laughs> Team America, America. Yeah. Or something like that. Or you need to go darker, something like Meet the Feebles, which I was going to watch. But honestly, that could be its own episode. So I'm not going to watch okay, it we'll until wait. that point. We'll
0: put it in a different episode. Um, I you agree. Can, you and, can watch
1: that one for free, by the way, on Tubi. And that you probably should more so than this. There you go. <laughs> well, that was the
0: thing. While not only was it that the story was super simple, not complex, trite, Right. Total hackneyed. The joke, like you said, just being that puppets don't do stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And it carried it through the whole thing. But I was like, it could have been that basic storyline, that basic premise. But if they had been more explicit and been more overtly kind of tongue in cheek and really played up some of those jokes, mm. I think it could have been better. Like it could have been like if they're, have you ever seen The Wire? No. There is um, one episode. There's a scene in one episode. (laughs) It is funny, but it's basically the two main detectives and they're in a a crime scene in an apartment. And it's probably, I don't know, a three minute scene. And all they do is say fuck, but they have different intonations of the word. And they're like, fuck, fuck. Oh, fuck. It is hilarious because they play it straight. Mm -hmm. That could have been something that could have worked in this. Maybe not Mm -hmm. that exact idea, but I think that they could have... I don't know it just wasn't either that or puppets just don't emote the way that we want them to, <laughs> like I kind of enjoyed the the weird creepy looking puppet that um was working at the porn shop like I didn't mind oh, the vulture yeah, didn't mind him
1: A little on the nose, but uh, I get it exactly
0: <laughs> um but like i didn't i don't know it was just it they were only trying halfway. Right. Well, uh,
1: yeah, certainly in terms of narrative, in terms of actual puppetry, there is actually a lot of good puppetry going on. Sure. Here. Yeah. Um, a lot of great craft work. There was a shot at the beginning because uh, not because, but Phil Phillips is driving his car around L.A., giving a monologue because that's what happens in the beginning of a noir detective story. But they have this great shot. It's a side shot of his car, you know, just driving down the street. And of course, he's in there and doing all that stuff. But it's just a really good yeah. Puppetry shot.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Um, and and then, he flicks a cigarette.
1: Exactly. That was great.
0: Yeah. yeah there's was a, a lot, great lot little of moment. great
1: actual puppetry stuff uh, when you're looking at it. But yeah, everything, everything around it. Oh, not, not so Can much. I
0: tell you the creepiest puppet moments? were the moments where it was- Top
1: five creepiest puppet moments in this movie. Oh my God. Well- Unofficial what, off the top of our heads. Okay. Let's do it. In
0: no particular order, generally the first time that you see Phil Phillips walk outside of his office slash apartment to run into Melissa McCarthy on the street there and he's just, it shows a disembodied puppet walking on the sidewalk. Terrifying. <laughs> the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. This is this ranks up there for me, like Junior Gorg's face stuck in the well in that episode of Fraggle Rock. Very scary to me. And then there were a couple of other scenes where there was just a, Oh, uh,
1: so any scene where a puppet is walking by themselves. Yes. And there's an entire body shot terrifies you. Right.
0: And there was a, there was one scene, there was one scene (laughs) where Phil Phillips is like beating up another puppet. And it was very violent, but it was a disembodied puppet again, standing prone and then like, or not prone is laying down. Right. So standing and beating up, it was a quick little shot. It was almost like,
1: are you talking about where he was beating up the puppet poachers? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Which we'll come back to the puppet thing, <sighs> I thing. Anyway, but yeah, it's it's a shot of him beating up two normal humans. But yeah, it's a full size shot where he's kicking a guy in the groin while he's down.
0: Yes, correct. And it was so I thought scary. It was,
1: I thought it was good puppetry, but you know, it it terrified my co host. So <laughs> th- there you Well go. the thing is I, I thought a lot of the puppetry Halloween costume twenty twenty one, disembodied puppet. <laughs> It's just so creepy. It's
0: the legs. You never see a puppet's legs. I don't want to see that. I want to see waist up. That's it. Or like legs. I want to see Kermit's legs slung over a log. That's it. I don't want to see any walking around. I don't want to see anything besides riding bicycles.
1: Okay. I won't won't go into that sidebar. Continue.
0: No, no, that was it. That, so th-
1: so we, out of our t- out of our top oh. five creepy public moments, we have one. Well, no,
0: well, okay, I'll, we'll go one for one. So that was one of mine. What was one of yours? Gosh, I don't I'm think sure any th-
1: of these were creepy. Um, you didn't think any of the sex
0: stuff was creepy? I mean, sure. or just gross,
1: gratuitous maybe. Yeah, yeah. but um, I mean the shot where he's and again we didn't take down the female character's name, which is kind of important. But where he's plowing around the desk, that was a, that was a weird shot.
0: Yeah, and then did and again, you-
1: that's another shot that you know is probably not necessarily emulating Meet the Feebles, but is there's a there's a scene in there that is of similar, uh, you know, ilk, ilk, except it's probably even creepier because it is a big human sized. Walrus plowing a small cat.
0: <laughs> okay, I've not seen this. It sounds. It's coming up. I'm going to put a picture. <laughs> <for it. laughs> um, so here, Sandra White. Sandra White.
1: Then oh, is that, was that that's name the, A or name? I think that's name B. A. Okay, so while while Eden looks this up, I will give context. Essentially, at the beginning of the movie,
0: I didn't like that her name was
1: White. You don't like that her name was White?
0: Yeah, because I felt like it was an overt.
1: Uh, uh it was an on the nose uh purity joke because she was wearing a white dress and but she was also like a super slut at least as she described herself as I such. guess
0: maybe it was just because I we had like just come from seeing like get it <laughs> 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 just, just the whole metaphor for like, a, like absurd and obscene racism like I think that's what I was thinking and then it was like this I don't know I just don't
1: I didn't even connect those dots I don't dots, like, I don't but like hey. white
0: people guys don't like white people
1: damn crackers <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry go ahead so what was uh?
1: so she goes to Phil Phillips at the beginning of the movie saying I got this ransom note that someone is you know discovered that I, she is a giant fornicator and that they're it's gonna such c- a
0: silly thing <laughs>
1: Right. And that's not the term she used, but I, you know, so she says, Oh, well, they're going to expose me. So I want you to take on the case, find out who's doing it, whatever. So he does that. Um, Turns out when in the previously mentioned flashback, where his partner gets shot, Melissa McCarthy was being held hostage by another puppet gun to her head, all that stuff. Phil is still a cop takes a shot at the puppet holding McCarthy hostage, misses, the bullet ricochets off a column, and hits this father in the head. Puppet father in the head. And the little girl that is next to this puppet father as he dies is the main female antagonist. She becomes Miss White and sets the entire plot in motion. And do you
0: want to describe how they figured that out?
1: I don't remember. Oh, wait. Yeah. It, the, was the the basic, no, it
0: was the basic nose, the basic instinct. Um oh, yes. purple pubes. You're you're right.
1: <laughs> I completely forgot about that.
0: <laughs> you're like, I've blocked it from my brain. Yeah. I no and- longer want to remember that.
1: Nope. Nope. In case, you know, you guys remember basic instinct from thirty years ago. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Basically that.
1: Oh a God. less clever version of the gratuitous beaver shot from loaded weapon.
0: Yep. Mm hmm.
1: Except that one was f- better because it used an actual beaver. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Oh Mark that a puppet beaver, which makes it a better version have- of this movie. Yeah, already. Exactly.
0: Oh my God. Um,
1: <laughs> Jesus. Uh,
0: yeah, I kind of stopped taking notes after a point because all of the jokes were exactly the same.
1: I took, I took bits. Um, one of the things... Okay, that- so let's, let's go to creepy puppet moments. So, yours is any puppet walking. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Don't care for it. Um, mine, it's not creepy, and it's a moment that should be funny, but it just falls flat on its face, is the... Phil Phillips's brother was an actor in the 90s puppet TV show um, that is getting ready to go into syndication, so all of the cast stars from that show are getting ready to get a big payout. So he visits his brother later that night after he visits his brother. His brother is at his house in presumably Hollywood with some floozy. Floozy gets up to make a margarita while she's at the blender. The killer lets loose like two Boston Terriers and another dog. They run in his house, drag him out of his hot tub, and tear him apart like dogs would tear apart a t- stuffed chew toy. It's... Shot to be like this horrific, like he's being drawn and quartered. Right. Which it's not creepy. It just, it, it should be funny. Like, I get it. Dogs like to chew on stuffed objects, but it just falls flat on its face.
0: The only thing that gave me almost a giggle, not even a full giggle,
1: was when... Besides the, Puppet Hospital?
0: Um, besides Puppet Hospital, it was when the cop in that scene walks back in. And he goes, we found the murder weapon (laughs) and he's holding a Boston Terrier. (laughs) That was that was a bit of a giggle.
1: Yeah. Again, something that's clever, but not necessarily funny. Yeah, exactly. Much like, never mind. I'm not going to go on a tangent about the show community, but there it is. (laughs) Wow. We'll disagree. (laughs) Um, Indeed. Um, So I guess if we're if we're still continuing with the shtick about uh, creepy puppet moments. Uh, that would be back to you.
0: Okay, so I'm trying to think of what I mean, like like I said, the sex stuff is gross and kind of gratuitous and weird. Where you're just like, okay, I get, I get it. You know, I get what it's supposed to be. I just kept underlining violence, which was, you know, mainly when the puppets get shot. I was like, because <gasps> there was just a very big explosion. Um, and then when um, when he's beating up. The guys in the subway are the
1: poachers. Okay, so I took a number of more bullet points than you, I guess. So, so one thing that, and we're kind of jumping around. So this episode is going to be edited to all hell.
0: You don't um, need to know the story. We've already we've told it to you.
1: Yes. Speaking of the story, we're going to use <laughs> quotes. Uh, at one point, Joel McHale and the police, who plays an FBI agent. And the police chief, who is played by Stanley from the office. I don't know the actor's name. And
0: Stanley I've, from the office.
1: Stanley from the office. Uh, show up to his, you know, Phil Phillips's office when he is coincidentally in the middle of banging the uh, Miss White. Right. In, you know, crazy cartoonish puppet sex. So apparently, for some reason, they re- like, he, they want to talk to him. And Phil Phillips jumps out the window of his office and runs away. I don't know why that was. Why did he do that? So was that... Correct me.
0: Is that after...
1: No, that's the first time you see Joel McHale.
0: But did, this was after Phil Phillips' brother gets killed, right? Correct. Was there another murder between then? And yeah, why did they want to go talk to him?
1: Exactly. Or and why did he they run did away? If want to talk to him, why, why did, did he, he run, run away? away? And then
0: because obviously later, spoiler, not spoiler, um, as each of these actors from this previous show are getting bumped off, always turns out that Phil Phillips happens to be around. So it's clearly a frame up. And so that would make sense where it was, if it was after a couple of those or one of those that they were like, we got to come talk to this guy, but I don't think that it is.
1: No, the, the thing that doesn't make sense. I mean, one of the things that doesn't make sense, essentially the FBI thinks that, he, Philip Phillips, has killed all of these characters. Right. And they say, oh, well, you were present at all of these crime scenes. Well, that is immediately not true because the ten, second character that's killed, his brother, he was not at the crime he scene. There. He arrived to the crime scene after the police did.
0: And that's when they assigned him the job of figuring out who killed
1: him. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's when the police chief, Stanley from the office, says, you are working with Melissa McCarthy to figure out who did this. His name is Leslie so, David Baker. Leslie did they, David Did they Baker. ever say his character's name? Maybe yeah. they didn't. It says forgot.
0: Lieutenant but Banning in here. Um, perhaps they did. I don't know. Honestly, Anything. I didn't attribute
1: much to that's, memory. That's from an this. aside. He's Stanley from The Office. <laughs> so that immediately just puts that whole theory out the window because he wasn't like, I can understand the porn shop massacre, which. <laughs> as we all can. <laughs> as, as we all can. <laughs> because he was in the back of the shop. The person came up front. Killed all the puppets, which included one of the former cast members of the show, which was a rabbit, which excreted purple pee, glittery pee pee and a couple of eggs because he was terrified. Um, I almost giggled. Just glittery pee. (laughs) Just glittery pee. That's all it takes. (laughs) That was it. (laughs) Listen, guys,
0: this movie should have been made for me. I'm so stupid. But it was not. It was not funny. No, it was not. It was just so disappointing. Hi, hi, hi. Um, one of the other things that I did write down, though, is speaking of kind of um, cameos, uh, stunt casting. Well, I guess it wouldn't necessarily be stunt casting, but you're right. Um, Stanley from The Office, Joel McHale, um, my girl Fortune Feemster had a
1: really quick little cameo. I have no idea who that is. Please She is
0: the super fan that at, toward the beginning of the movie that comes up to Phil Phillips and his brother when they're sitting in the in the restaurant. She she sounds like um, Kim, her voice does, the super Southern accent. Kim being our aunt, yeah. by the way. (laughs) Every every (laughs) time. So Fortune Famester is one of my favorite comedians. And every time I listen to her, all I can think about is Kim being like, my God. (laughs)
1: Nailed it. Well, if you want to talk cameos, Brian Henson got himself a cameo. There is a photograph in Melissa McCarthy's apartment that was presumably on some sort of police extracurricular team, sports, volleyball, whatever. And, of course, she's in the front. Phil Phillips is in the front and in the back is Brian Henson and another person I didn't recall. I don't know. I, I didn't, didn't even notice that, that but I didn't know. It's been an extra for all I know. The, but, but yeah, Brian Henson got himself into the movie. Um, so yeah, He there may have
0: puppeteered more than one, but I did not I did oh, he see definitely
1: the, puppeteered some people. Well, I know
0: he puppeteered the crab on the beach at Venice. Right. Um, but that was the only thing that I had saw. I had saw, And that was the only thing I had seen as we far as what characters...
1: Our country, uh, we can speak, oh, English oh, good. speak
0: English good. Um... But uh, honestly, I didn't see that he puppeteered too many. He may have just been busy doing a shit job directing.
1: (laughs) That's true. And we really like like was it a bad job? Well, I mean, obviously, he approved the script, and they're running off the script. But in terms of directing, I don't. I didn't see anything that was like, oh gosh, why did you shoot this that way, or why did you have them do this that way? Well, you you were right. It all depends on what you mean by. It was boring. I wish it would
0: have been more noir. I wish it would have been darker. Even in black and white would have been really cool.
1: Yeah, the color palette was very just generic. Muppety. Yeah.
0: But even like in the porn shop, it wasn't like it should have been seedy lighting or it should have been like something a little bit more. It was just um, just looked like some fluorescent lights. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, And even like in his office, like you didn't even get like some sort of interesting, um, you know, blinds. Projected onto the wall, which is like a classic film noir thing where you shoot a light through mini blinds. True. Um, They didn't do any of that stuff. And I feel like that would have like played it up a little bit. The only other thing that I said that I liked in my notes is that I like the green car.
1: I don't even remember the green car. <laughs> exactly.
0: I was really reaching. Was that from
1: the beginning of the movie? Yep, I mean, that was it. That was the okay. driving
0: shot. And I was like, okay, all right. Yeah. I get it. And then he flicked the cigarette and I was like, that's kind of cool. Like, the, you know, I know, it's just yeah. a hand,
1: but like. Hey, still. You know, you take what you can get sometimes, you know, you got You got to get that silver lining. Um, Should we talk about the glitter heroin and how ridiculous that whole concept is? So apparently in this universe, puppets get intoxicated slash high off of sugar. So things like pixie, uh, pixie stick dust, they will snort like heroin or not heroin. What's the one you snort? I don't even remember. Cocaine, thank you. Um, I think you
0: can snort any of them, actually. Well,
1: you're probably right, but they they drink maple syrup as if it is you know whiskey. <sighs>
0: that was such a stupid shtick. I hated it. I don't.
1: It. I don't even understand why those two are connected. Like it's not like puppets and sugar are inherently related.
0: I agree. It was. It wasn't something where it was like I feel like if you're a pixie or a um some sort of like a fairy or something like that, where right. you, there's kind of an instant connection between the sugary sweetness and what they would be into. Right. But I, yeah, I don't, there's no inherent connection between those two.
1: Yeah. So like, uh, I, I uh, there's a certain suspension of disbelief and everything. I get that, but there's nothing about puppetry that makes me think, oh yeah, this would totally get high off sugar. Like I understand if you were writing the universe with sentient rabbits and they got high off carrots. Okay. Those two things are connected sure. yeah. in the cultural consciousness. Right but yeah the 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 whole sugar as you know drugs thing does not work and apparently because Melissa McCarthy has a puppet liver she also gets high off sugar which she does see there's a there's a scene where one of the cast members has fallen real bad former cast members of the show has fallen real bad into drug culture oh my god this was so bad and he you know, McCarthy and Phil Phillips go to and talk to him, investigate before he gets murdered. And they don't allow humans. And he's like, No, she's got a puppet liver. And so they test her by having this super concentrated line of glitter like hyper glucose or something mm-hmm. like that. They say they'll kill any human that that snorts it. Well, she snorts it, pretends to well, not doesn't pretend to die, but emulates dying. He does the class Phillips does the classic wait for it, and then she springs back up, two seconds later, super high. And then the rest of the movie, she's trying to get high whenever she can. So, was this a pre-existing addiction she was dealing with, or was that one...
0: That just, one line kicked one her into One line
1: it. just made her a complete addict. I just... They made it... They, they played both sides of the fence, because her apartment, they say, is exactly. a complete wreck. And, and it's just strewn
0: with all sorts but of sugar drugs. you never see any
1: of that before she gets super high, so... Was, did she the get super high on the job or was right. she like that before this movie started? Because it, even... yeah, you know.
0: Oh my God. Yeah, that that's the thing where it's like they could have kept that basic outline of a noir movie and just filled in and added a lot more layers of detail and interest and backstory that would have given these characters a little... Either that or go completely flat and make it funny. Make it overtly shticky, like you know um uh naked gun type of humor like like okay. like yeah. which is more muppet style anyway right they didn't i don't think they went far enough away from the muppet style to really a uh, style of humor to be effective right i don't know i i thought that was stupid and you're right i kind of wish that like i assumed that she had been having trouble all along that like she was kind of not washed up but like even you're right like when she first shows up to the crime scene at the porn shop, like, you know, they're that, you know, if if some of the other cops or if her boss Stanley from the office had, uh, you know, kind of been like, oh, you look really washed up again today. You got to straighten yourself out, like yep. just two lines that would have just informed Contextualized, us yeah. of who she was. And because that then it makes sense that she and Phil Phillips are, you know, both suffering from some sort of trauma in the past mm-hmm. incidentally from a shared, you know, incident that would have truly brought them together not just the fact that they were former partners. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
1: And also they the the racism analogy falls apart pretty quickly for in terms of the It was puppets. very
0: upsetting at the very beginning.
1: It, I can understand again they're trying to do the Roger Rabbit thing where in that movie, cartoons are representative of repressed minority groups, especially back in. Gosh, when's that movie take place? It's supposed take to be in the, the '30s. Fifth, is it the '30s? Okay. Yeah. So all the the repressed minorities the working in Hollywood during the well, golden age the of Hollywood, we'll okay. say. Yeah. Um, I think it's the '50s, but, um, anyway. But in this one, they try and do the same thing. Of course, it's modern times. But then, not five minutes into the movie, they talk about Muppet. Or not puppet. <laughs> Excuse me. I don't want to confuse something good. Oh, I know. With I, I know. I've been screwing that up too. Puppet poaching. So there is a quick shot of, I guess, Phillips doing his PI thing, catching a puppet poaching ring where they apparently, will people would cut off limbs, hands, feet mm-hmm. of puppets akin to a lucky rabbit's foot, but it is a lucky puppet's foot. But to my knowledge, No one does this for minorities. No. So what does this mean?
0: It's, it was very, very upsetting. And especially the fact that like, and I, I get, I I don't get it as in I condone it, but I understand where they're coming from as in, it was just somebody that had a, just like a sliver of an idea. And their idea was, oh, you know, like rabbit's feet. Yeah. A lucky rabbit's foot. That's that was their only thought. And then they just went with that. Didn't continue to develop or expound upon that or contextualize that in this world whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And it, that just made it creepier.
1: Yeah. And there was another bit. It was again, first five, 10 minutes of the movie. Phillips pulls up in front of his apartment oh and there is an old man puppet sitting there singing and dancing for change. Three school age kids will say 10 to 11, 12. Right are giving him guff because that's what 10, 11, 12-year-old kids do. Right. He punches, Phillips punches one of them in the face. They run off. Phillips says, you don't have to sing a dance for the man anymore because he's kind of got a, a right. gruff accent. Yeah. Uh, and then the old man says, of course, I don't have to. I want to because that's what puppets do. And you're like, okay, I don't, There's I a- d- I don't get it. Like, is this meta commentary about... Muppets and puppets like saying right. that's old this is the new normal for puppets or right. is this a part of the racism thing yep. mm-hmm. I mean if you could go far back as something like minstrel shows correct Um, so it's, it's a, that's it it's where they mess. don't it's they don't mess. draw the
0: line hard enough to distinguish between those two because that's exactly it because that scene made me feel super uncomfortable mm-hmm. and I was like where the fuck is this going yeah and <sighs> And then they they go back, and there are like one or two other instances and references to dancing for, or like uh, dancing for the man, dancing for humans, because they even said like something like that. I I don't know if it was her, as in Melissa McCarthy, or. Somebody said it to Phil. They were like, Well, you don't, or you used to love to sing and dance. Do you remember that? It was um, maybe when he was talking to Elizabeth Banks. There was another reference to I think singing that's when he was and dancing. talking to his brother. Okay, maybe that when was it.
1: They, he, he has a lunch with his brother the day of his murder. Um, they're in a restaurant, and his brother's like, Yeah, you don't sing and dance anymore. You used to be a great singer and dancer. Right. Da, da, da. Be As if to say that the only role of a puppet is to sing and dance slash entertain humans.
0: Exactly. So that's what I took from it based off of the previous scene that we just described. Right. And that's, again, where it's like, are you setting up that world where puppets are completely analogous to human minorities? Or Mm -hmm. are you just saying, referencing previous, you know, meta knowledge of what puppets and Muppets are?
1: Right. They don't seem to commit one way or the other. They seem to want to have it both ways. Right. And, and it that, just ends up being a mess.
0: Absolutely. And like, you're right. There, there, there's no human in that in the world of this movie that likes puppets.
1: Outside of Maya Rudolph. Yeah. She's the only one. Everybody else, even Melissa McCarthy, she they, they have specific puppet-related racist language. Yeah. Um oh my God. They call them tube socks and Yes, multiple times. Yeah. And McCarthy never seen like the first scene. She's her and Phillips are insulting each other because they've got bad blood. And that's what the former ex-partners do in a war movie is they show that they're angry with each other through this type of dialogue. Um, And she uses what, at least in terms of the world, would be super racist. Yes. uh, Language. Totally. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, at one point she mentions skinning his mom (gasps) and wearing her wearing her as a coat because felt. Fabric code, get it. You know. That ugh. and and she never seems to change for that. Like it just seems like it's it's fine. You could just do stuff like this. It's yeah. fine.
0: It's the most overt racist in our world, just being able to say the most abhorrent and terrible things to people mm-hmm. and nobody gives a shit. It's right. like everybody accepted, it, and it's fine. It's like the whole world is uh, puppetist. <laughs> I don't know what the correct terminology would be. We'll go with it. Yeah. So it it just and if that's the The dynamic you're setting up, I just, I I don't know, it it just, you also don't see, it would have been more interesting to see puppets in other lines of work or other roles in this movie where they didn't seem to be so hated. Where it was like, yes, there's the TV show, but it's like, again, is that just a performative measure where it's again, like we're taking this idea of a minority and utilizing them for entertainment, but. Right. Not seeing them as actually human or like they didn't have any other like there wasn't. I mean, aside from the porn shop guy, which, again, it's a porn shop, which is not supposed to be the most endearing or family friendly type of job. Right. Like you didn't see another puppet cop, which I know is kind of part of the storyline, but you didn't see a puppet waitress, I don't think.
1: The only time you saw them in the context of just regular everyday life. I mean, they were either just extras walking back and right. forth through a scene or. Or there is a scene where Melissa McCarthy goes down to the beach and she's walking along the boardwalk looking for one of the former cast members. She's asking around, Mm -hmm. showing a picture to random people. Mm -hmm. And she runs into one, apparently like a fortune teller puppet. Yes. Mm -hmm. Of course, who would be basically a side street entertainer. Again. And then she runs across a boar and a crab who are basically just rummaging through garbage. Right. Um, But again, those are not what you would consider normalized or, you know, upstanding. Respectable
0: jobs. You don't see any puppets that are being like are are introduced in that sort of uh, civil way. Right.
1: Exactly. There's I mean, not that you would necessarily like contrive a scene in a fast food place, but you don't even see something. Well, a that's what I'm saying. A, like as banal a situation as that. Yeah,
0: not even um, a, a meter maid. That's not the right term. But you know, like a cop right. or a you know a waitress. Whatever it is, like you don't see any more normalized puppets in it, and it's very frustrating because then you're just seeing puppets being denigrated, right? And if that's what they're going for, then this is a totally different movie, right? Because it's also to get to the end the bad guy which uh, you may have already said this but the bad guy is Sandra white who is setting up Correct. and framing Phil Phillips from the beginning and it's purely just for revenge um
1: and money and I guess. money I
0: guess there's
1: a lot there you know you what I unpack. didn't like
0: very uh next to last scene where um, Melissa McCarthy and Phil Phillips have chased Sandra White or whatever her other name is um, to the airport in Santa Monica where she's about to get onto a private flight and escape. Of course. And she, uh, they have a brawl inside the plane. She comes back out, she's holding Melissa McCarthy hostage, which I think is hilarious because Melissa McCarthy is like so big.
1: <laughs> not not so big. She's just a right.
0: a human compared to a the, puppet. The size of
1: this pu- this puppet is maybe mid-thigh high.
0: Perhaps on a, even on a human. And clearly made of foam and felt, so right. not very heavy. Um but they do use real human guns, and I don't know anything about guns, but I think they're heavier than that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, certainly. You think certainly that a, uh, you know, felt armed puppet could be able to hold, you know, reasonably. But
0: anyway, they're introduced back into the same sort of scenario that you see in the flashback where Phil Phillips accidentally shoots a civilian. So that plays out, needless to say, good guys, quotes, win. And Sandra White is killed. So her little puppet body is laying on the steps of the plane. And then they're making quips about like. Melissa McCarthy's like, yeah, it's a damn shame. She looked really good in white. Not a lot of people can pull that off. <laughs> yeah, it's. It was like tasteless. I was like.
1: Eh. Yeah, the, the controversy with the initial inciting incident is that he missed the shot on the puppet that was holding McCarthy hostage. Um, the, the controversy was not that the bullet ricocheted and shot another puppet. No, they, they didn't care. The The media that they show through newspaper clippings and so on didn't care about that. They say that he missed the puppet intentionally because puppets won't shoot other, other puppets. puppets. So apparently the issue quote yeah. unquote, that Phillips needed to get over was being able to shoot a puppet. Yeah. Which he does in the final scene. And then they treat it not as in, oh, it's really bad that this, you know, Puppet's dad got murdered and, right. you know, she fell down this dark path and all these bad things. No, no. The lesson is that, oh, hey, you popped your cherry and shot a puppet.
0: Yeah. Good the, for you. The loss of life nice is, is job, never Phil. given any sort of weight whatsoever.
1: Right. They, they want to say that discrimination against puppets is bad. But the last time we see, you know, puppet on puppet violence mm-hmm. is... Good job, Phil. Yeah. Way, to, way to shoot that puppet. Yeah. And automatically,
0: here's your badge back and here's your gun back. And I'm like, I feel like that wouldn't have been something that would have happened. Right. Also, this is totally nitpicky, but uh, Joe McHale is the one who is an FBI agent. So he's brought in. Right. He's flown in. FBI. For some
1: reason, that they never explain.
0: They never explain why this would be an FBI related issue. Um, but he's the one that's like you're off the case, Phil Phillips. And I'm like, you can't fire him. You have no authority. He's also a consultant brought in by Stanley from the office. And Stanley from the office is of legal or of local jurisdiction. Right. I know this is a stupid thing to get upset about, but it was just That's that's one of
1: the many things that doesn't make sense because he encounters him. uh, Mikhail. Mm -hmm. was it one, two, four times, four times in the movie. Yeah. Uh, The first time that we mentioned in his office after he banged Miss White and he jumps out the window. For no reason that we don't understand. Time number two is when one of the other cast members is killed, you know, thrown off a pier, and they find his body in the beach. And for whatever reason, McCarthy stuffs him him being Phillips into a cooler, brings him along to the crime scene where so Michael is. Listen
0: along, and- <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I, once again, like, why is the FBI after Phillips here? Third time they the FBI for whatever reason thinks that Phillips. you know was was guilty of all this and the moment that they seem to decide that at least to my knowledge is apparently phillips had a previous relationship with elizabeth banks who was the human member of the sitcom um you know that everyone's getting murdered so he goes to visit her she's working at a strip club Does some stuff that's supposed to be funny with some rabbits and And carrots carrots. and blah, blah, blah. Ridiculous. So he walks her to her car afterward, turns his back, car blows up, where, you know, obviously, car bomb. We're meant to think she's dead. We're meant to think she's dead. And then the cops show up immediately after that. And Phillips, instead of thinking, oh, I'll just stay here and explain things to the cops. All of a sudden, he thinks that the cops think that he did this. Right. Even though there's no evidence or nothing to imply that. And he runs. Right. And so, you know, that's why McCarthy stuffs him in a cooler, I guess, uh, to bring him along to the, what I guess would be the th- one two, fourth fourth crime scene. Right. And then, of course, we see Mikhail at the end of the movie who just seems to have dropped all prosecutory efforts mm-hmm. against Phillips because the movie's over and they're, you know... Because the Because he just had to, leave- <laughs> to leave him alone.
0: Oh, and... Uh I like how this is Todd Berger or Brian Henson whoever was responsible for this. Their like ultimate joke is a blank says what?
1: Joke? Oh yeah, they ripped it off from Wayne's World and didn't do it new nearly as well.
0: No, and I'm sorry that movie is many many decades old? Too? 25 Dude, years thir- old? 30? No,
1: Wayne's World's almost 30 years old, guy. It came out in 1992 and the skit was even older.
0: All I'm saying is that's a shit joke. <laughs> And it shouldn't be in this movie and it shouldn't be the last joke that, and they bond over it and yeah. they do it like three times in a row and stupid Mikhail falls for it every time because that's the way the dumb joke goes. Mm-hmm. It just, it's not, it's uh it's not cool guys. Not cool. It's basically no, a, like, that's what she said type of joke. And
1: but that one's been running into the ground at this point too.
0: Yeah. It's disgusting. Don't even come at me with that.
1: Yeah. The worst.
0: Um, all right. Well, I'll tell you what, we've been talking about this a very long time. So I think that we can both, uh, <laughs> I think rating this movie would be... Um, a
1: disservice to ratings.
0: <laughs> absolutely. I think neither of us would recommend it. No. It's not even fun in a bad way.
1: No. It's just a waste of your time. You can spend 90 minutes no. doing anything else.
0: Truly anything else. It's no Congo. If you want to watch a bad, good movie. Oh, oh,
1: yeah. That, that's oh, a good, bad movie.
0: It's It's going to show up.
1: Oh yeah, always oh, showing up. Oh, someone's going. Someone's going to pitch it.
0: <laughs> so that was the Happy Time Murders. Everybody, don't watch it. And uh, it makes me kind of sad because the reason why we chose this, why Sam chose this, um, well, both of us collaboratively. I I'm not. No no no, 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 no. I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming <laughs> you for it. It's because we both really like Muppets and puppets a lot, and so this was, I think, a good examination of how to be critical of things that you like. So. Rounding on to the final segment of the
1: two. <laughs> yes. One top, the movie? two, pitch. you know, yeah, pitch.
0: So uh, this segment, and maybe we'll we'll develop this into a little bumper that'll describe it. Maybe we won't, but just for the sake of posterity. Um, basically, what each episode will involve is one of us, and we will alternate week to week, will pitch the opposite on three movies not giving away the name of each of the movies. And that person is to choose one of those pitches that they find either most intriguing, least intriguing, whatever floats their boat. And that movie will be what takes us into the next week's episode. I drew up the pitches this week. All right. Come at me. All right. So uh, I'll go ahead and preface this. I was inspired simply because of the amount of felt that we saw in this movie. So my three are inspired by felt and fabric.
1: Okay, I feel like you shouldn't have told me this beforehand. Yes,
0: that was going to be a question. Should I just at the end? You're like, what connects the three?
1: Right, I, or not necessarily asked, but I feel like you should, uh, you know, pitch the three movies, pick one, and then you say, okay, well, that was this movie, and then the other two were this, this, and then I connected them using. Okay,
0: well, so we'll do that next time. So that was right. going to be my question: is like, do we want to say the theme up top? Right, we'll do it at the you end. You know, saying
1: felt and fabric makes me think, oh, these are going to involve puppets.
0: Oh well, so. Spoiler
1: warning, it's going to involve
0: puppets. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see. Number one. I've gone a little bit theatrical in these, just a little bit. Here we go. First pitch of episode one. A brassy, future-changing, silent-sneaking, umbrella-toting Brit, a prolific, iconic, sardonic accent machine, and a mop-top, cheese-loving bro join forces to obliterate the life of an insufferable drama club nerd. Okay. Number one. Got it. Number two. Second pitch of episode one. A fiery explosion kills his friends and propels a man to take action against hidden forces and finds himself engaged in an international subterfuge. Where can he hide? Which way should he turn? Who can he trust?
1: Ooh. Oh, All right. Sound very alluring.
0: And number three. One with Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's it. I like how you built up the first two and then the third one's basically, yeah, well, oh, and this. That was a joke. Oh, goodness. Um, Taking out a drama nerd. Yep. Explosion, making an international on the run, subterfuge, or Daniel Day-Lewis.
0: Tell you what, if it was me, I would go ahead and eliminate number three. Now, that's just purely based on I my agree. dislike of- I do not of- have
1: the love affair with Daniel Day-Lewis that some no, people do. that
0: is- <sighs> Basically,
1: I've only liked Last of the Mohicans. (laughs)
0: I'll feel you. He was great in that. And it's not saying that he's not a great actor. It's just that now every single movie he's in is literally a three hour P.T. Anderson movie that's like, hey, just watch Daniel Day-Lewis and let's again celebrate him for being a good actor. We get it, guys. We get it. At least Meryl Streep is in movies where she's with other people. Right. You know what I mean? She's an amazing actor and she still can share the screen with some other people. So anyway. That's just based on Okay.
1: Me. So I'm going to throw out Daniel Day-Lewis. Okay. Um, goodness. So either taking out a drama nerd mm-hmm. or an explosion and da-da-da-da. You know, I'm going to go with option number two. We're going to go with a pitch number two. What do you have for me?
0: Pitch number two. So it's a classic. I think this is great for the Robards. Zoolander.
1: Oh, nice. Okay. Fiery
0: explosion kills his friends and propels a man to take action Very against nice. hidden forces, and he finds himself engaged in international subterfuge. Do you like this? Where can he hide? Which way should he turn? Who can he trust? Which way should he turn? Get it?
1: Very nice. Like it. All there right, all right, all right, all okay. right, all right.
0: That's pretty that was a little feather okay. in my So cap Now I
1: get your felt and fabric reference yep. here. Devil okay. Wars Prada,
0: fashion about fabric.
1: That was oh, was the, that oh the, sorry was the sorry first yes one? that was the
0: first one Devil Wears Prada which is so <laughs> thank a, goodness I didn't pick that one a brassy future changing silent sneaking umbrella toting Brit is Emily Blunt in every movie she's ever been in she
1: was in Devil Wears Prada
0: she was are she's you? actually a great part in it are you sure? it's a okay so I remember Anne Hathaway I remember Meryl Streep did you watch it yeah I've seen it okay so. Forget all of the Anne Hathaway shit because she's the worst. The Emily worst. Blunt is her other um, assistant that she works with. The uh, number one assistant oh. with the red hair. The really bitchy one that is great. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: So the prolific, iconic, sardonic accent machine is obviously. Makes sense. Okay. And then the mop top cheese loving bro is the guy from Entourage who was her boyfriend.
1: Oh, see, I never watched Entourage.
0: I didn't either. I just know that he was in it and he's. And it's a, a show bro. for
1: bros. Show for bros. <laughs> okay, so I have to know what was the Daniel Day Lewis vehicle?
0: The movie. So tying into the theme. Th- felt and fabric. It was the devil wears Prada Zoolander again about the fashion industry. Mm -hmm. And then the phantom thread, which is about a (sighs) fashion designer. I know a PT Anderson movie that I don't want to watch. It was going to be another one where we're just going to hate it for three hours and talk about it. I'm glad that you 86 that.
1: Okay. It's, it's a, uh, okay. I like it. I I feel bad going all negative at the start of this. So, you know, we, we chose a movie that's bad. We did a movie that's bad. Mm -hmm. Do a movie spoiler warning. We like it. We like it. And then we'll go from there. Love it. Okay.
0: Exactly. So I think, and honestly, uh, you know, when you do your pitches next week, it doesn't have to be this format. You may go in whatever you want. I just thought throwing the Daniel Day-Lewis one in there because it is a fashion fabric movie. Right. But also I hate Daniel Day-Lewis, so it wasn't going to contribute any sort of effort into writing a pitch for it. <laughs> um, otherwise, it would have just been like another P.T. Anderson movie. I don't want to see it. Blah, 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 blah. Take a nap in the middle. Maybe the last 20 minutes are good. Right. It's about it. I.e. my synopsis of There Will Be Blood. <laughs> so next week, Zoolander, a family favorite. There
1: is Zoolander.
0: <laughs> It'll be great. I have not rewatched this in a very long time. I'm pretty excited.
1: Yeah, it's time. Um, it's time.
0: So uh, we'll have to think of a good tagline to say goodbye to everybody. Oh, and everybody, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It'd be very helpful and we would appreciate it. And we'd love to know what you guys think and how you think we're doing. But only good shit. All right. Bye-bye.
1: Peace out.